I'm going to go ahead and, and just kind of uh, start by the guys are taking up the offering, just kind of bridge some things with you as we prepare our hearts to come to the Lord's table today. Man, I'm, I'm glad you're here. It's good to see you. Uh, middle of the summer, we got some rain this morning, and, and uh, we just pray that that physical rain is just kind of a picture of God's spiritual rain upon us. We just want to know Him better. You know, uh, just a quick word about baptism, because some, some people, it's new to them, they try to understand this. The Scriptures teach us about uh, water baptism, and that's where a person has made a, a decision for Jesus' faith step. In other words, it's like this. Did you know that you do not have to have a wedding ceremony? You can go up to the courthouse and you can get your uh, certificate or your license and you can be signed off by a judge and you do not have to have a ceremony. You can just be married and not have it. Well, why do you have a wedding ceremony? You, you love this person. You want other people to know that you're in love with this person and this is your choice for the rest of your life. Baptism does not save you. It, it, it's, in other words, it's like a wedding ceremony. Your faith step is what is what happens. You have a faith step with Jesus Christ. You believe that what He did on the cross, He did for you. And forgiveness is in Christ alone. And you put your faith there. However, baptism is like a wedding ceremony to let you know that these people decided to follow Jesus. And so it's worth getting excited about. And uh, just the excitement about these uh, these folks coming and doing this. We had some in the first service, as Alan said, and... And these are exciting. And some of you are out there and you're thinking, man, that's the step I need to take. I know it's a faith step that I need to take. And uh, we would love to help you walk that out. You know, we, we make much of Jesus around here. The, the scriptures are clear. And it says, Jesus said this, if I be lifted up, I would draw them in unto me. It's not, uh, if you're here today and you're on a search mission to find out about this spiritual life, uh, don't don't look to me. You, you can hear what I say because I'm going to be proclaiming who He is. I want to point you to Jesus today best I can. But what we want to do is we want to take a few minutes before we uh, participate in what we call the Lord's Supper of Communion today. And I'll kind of walk you through that a little bit. But, but I want to kind of, uh, if I can, just kind of help you prepare your heart as we step into this time. Uh, Bob Goff made this quotation. He said, we're all rough drafts of the people we are becoming. We are all rough drafts in the people we are, are becoming. You know, a rough draft is that one where you start out, you're writing your thoughts, and you're writing whatever paper it is. You have scribble marks on it. You have marks on the side. You, you may erase something. You're going to rewrite something. In other words, we are all in process. We are all rough drafts becoming what God intends for us to be. And some of us are just like a blank piece of paper that God is just starting on. Others of you, you've got a lot of marks through areas. You've got a lot of red marks on there. You've got a lot of things that uh, God is working on. And some of you are on down the road to where your uh, rough draft is starting to look almost like you need to go to print. But uh, print is going to be in glory, so hold off a little bit. But we are all rough drafts uh, in process of becoming what God desires for us to do. And you know, sometimes it's a struggle because we grow through struggle times. And, and, and some of it, the journey has to begin. So for some of you today, the journey may need to begin. For others of you, you need maybe to scribble through some things and to write some new things. Or maybe God is showing you some things today. 
I want you to turn your Bibles if you have them to Philippians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, it will be on the screen. But in Philippians chapter 2, I want to share some things with you and just to prepare your heart. For you that aren't familiar with the Scriptures, Philippians was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. And it was a, a town called Philippi, and it was to the Philippians people. And he wrote this. Now, Paul wrote it while he was in jail in Rome, okay? So he's writing these letters to these people. And like so many churches, the reason, the reason we got most of the New Testament, Paul's letters, is because that church was having a problem. And this church had a, a unity problem. Uh, they, they had some disunity there. And Paul is pleading with them. But I want to pick it up in Philippians chapter 2, if I could, verse 1. And hang on while I read it. It says this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind or this attitude among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord the glory of God the Father. So what is happening here, just to give you a little background, Paul is pleading with them about this disunity that has crept up. Why, why is that such a big deal and for him to address that here in such a way so that they would get it? It's because I believe that the picture that we display of Jesus Christ in our lives either compels people to Christ or repels people away from Christ. And we're seeing this today in our culture all the time. How many people will not darken the door or even listen to anything about Jesus because of his followers? What we do either compels people to follow Jesus or it repels people away. And one of the biggest things Paul knew was the unity of his church. And he, he challenges them in that Christ desires us, His love per, persuades us, and His Spirit indwells us for this unity to take place. And if we are not showing that love and unity, then what it does is it repels people because what we say we believe in and what we live are not the same. It's like a billboard. You know, if we're driving down I-35, you see all kinds of billboards. You're going to see some that are attractive, some that are not so attractive, some are outdated. 
whatever it may be, but some of them are trying to grab your attention, and they do grab your attention, you know? Uh, they, they grab your attention as you're going down the road. But have you ever been traveling down the highway, and there's a billboard that's come upon disrepair or something, and maybe it's starting to rip off at places, and the one that was previously behind it, now you see through and see that one, and it's just disjointed, it just doesn't make sense. When we are not living what we say we believe, that's the picture we're giving to the world. Either we don't have it, or we're not willing to display truth in it. And Paul is saying, listen, you need to be of one mind. And then he goes on to say how that's going to take place. And the answer he gives in verse 3 there is don't do it from selfish ambition. In other words, that spirit or that faction of division needs to go away. And you need to humble yourself. There needs to be humility that reigns. Now we don't like humility because we think it's weakness. But Paul is getting across here, you're choosing humility. And a person that chooses has the strength to choose that. And that's what he does. He, he, he uh, talks about humility. So how do we do that? Well, basically it's this. Surrender your rights. Walk in lowliness. It, it, it's a choice. It's not a weakness, but you have to be willing to lay down your rights for others. And, and I had a, uh, I had to do in it, and it said this: uh, today, live your life in such a way with others so that they feel like they're God's favorite. And I thought, man, that's pretty good. If I can just come across somebody and talk to them and encourage them in such a way that they feel like they're God's favorite. What I'm doing is I'm surrendering my own right to feel like I'm the most important thing in the world for God, which I'm not, but I make others feel like they're his favorite. That's a walking in humility. That's willing to do that. And so Paul is laying this out, but then all of a sudden, you know, it's one thing to talk about something in theory, out here in the clouds, but then he puts a living example in front of them in Jesus. And basically he tells them, you need to have the attitude or the mindset that Jesus had. In other words, we you need an attitude adjustment. Now, did your parents ever tell you that? You have, you've got an attitude and you need an attitude adjustment. And uh, that attitude adjustment may have came to different ways. <laughs> I don't know how to understand But you got your attitude adjusted. Paul is trying to get an attitude adjustment across to these people. And he says, you need to have this mind among yourself. This one mindset. And with, it's the one that Jesus said. Who, being God. See... God's love the world. He gave Jesus. And Jesus is fully God. And he took, he was willing to empty himself of that and become earthbound like you and I. But I want to, I want to say something about Jesus as God just a second. And I'm going to read some scriptures to you. In Colossians 1, chapter 15, it says this about Jesus. It says, He is the image of of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things which were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. 
And he is before all things, and all things hold together. For in him, it says in Colossians 1.19, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. So what, what the writer of Colossians is saying, this letter to Colossians, which was Paul also, he says, he is the image of the invisible God. So you want to see God in human form, you look at Jesus. He is the image. He is the image. You know, an image is an imprint. So if God were to make an imprint, it looks like Jesus. So you want to know what God is like? Let's look at what Jesus looks like. And it says that all things were created by Him, through Him, and for Him. You want to know why you exist on this planet? You do not exist on your planet, this planet, for your own sake. You exist on this planet for Him. Because He created you. You were created by Him, through Him, and for Him. Let me read another verse to you. In the book of Hebrews, on into the New Testament, it, it says in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. And in verse 3 it says this, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. There it is again. So what I'm trying to get across to you is what Paul is saying here is God emptied himself in human form to become Jesus. And that we are willing to say no to our rights and empty of ourselves for this unity to exist among us. The question sometimes is uh, in this emptying of self is that can, can God really identify with what I go through. And I thought about this a little bit. I thought, can Jesus really, I mean, he totally emptied himself and, and came to these earth suits and lived just like us. But I'm thinking, can he really identify with everything that I go through? You know, we think, okay, God, do you really understand what we're going through here? You're God up in heaven. But Jesus came to earth, but can you really identify? So I tried to play the devil's advocate here a little bit. And I thought, first of all, what about divorce? Jesus, you were never married. Can you actually understand divorce? Can you understand that and have to sympathize with that? And then I started reading about the life of Jesus. And it's clear that he was rejected by all men. He was rejected. And I know that's what divorce feels like. It just feels like rejection. And that's what Jesus, he was rejected by all men. I thought, okay, let me give another one here. What about abuse? Jesus, can you really understand abuse situation? And it didn't take long to read into his life how he suffered greatly, though he was completely innocent. I thought, okay, what about abandonment? You know, abandonment is such an issue that many people deal with. What about abandonment? Jesus, can you understand abandonment? And then I thought about on the cross how everybody had left him and everybody had fled and he died alone. thought, okay, let me shift gears here. What about cancer? What about a terminal illness? Jesus, can you really identify with a terminal illness that somebody is going through? And then as I'm reading the scriptures, I'm thinking, he was born to die. He was terminal from the get-go. 
<laughs> I thought, okay, what about prejudice? We still live in a prejudice day. Whether it's race or gender or uh, nationality or something, prejudice still exists, uh, it, uh, exists today. Jesus, can you understand prejudice? And then I thought, he was born a Jew, despised by Romans. He understood fully prejudice. And then I thought about temptation. Jesus, can you really understand the temptations I face my day? And then the devil came after him personally to tempt him. And it says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, it says, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus went through everything you are ever going to go through, and he has full mercy for you in the midst of it. What I'm saying to you is that I know some of you are going through junk today. Some of you are going through some junk. And just to know that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus. But let me tell you the ultimate junk totally separated from him because of your sin. And God took the step by sending Jesus to die on a cross for you. He says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I thought about that. And I thought about, you know, just, uh, Thursday is July 4th, and we celebrate the freedoms of the country, and I love the freedoms we have in the country. And, uh, but yet, I... I I thought about there's two kinds of freedom that exist. First of all, there's the freedom, let's say the freedom from slavery, so to speak, or the freedom from something, a tyranny of some sort. There's the freedom in that. But then there's another thing that just because you're freed from that slave, or that slave life, does not mean that you're becoming. You know, I've thought about the Emancipation Proclamation before. I've thought about when the Emancipation Proclamation was put into effect, all slavery ended, right? But how many people still lived under slavery, even though they were free to not be slaves? Here's, here's where I'm going with this. We were born broken. I hate to tell you that. I know some of you are thinking, yeah, Mark, you haven't seen my infant. Oh, yeah. I'll give them some time. You'll see broken. We were all born broken. I'm just going to tell you. We were all born with a sin nature. And what happened was, is that we were bondage to that sin nature. What Jesus did on the cross, is he offered freedom to everyone who would be willing to call upon him. And we were set free from that sin nature. If you call upon him, you're set free. You see, that's a freedom to be set free from that, that bondage. But there's another side of freedom that we are free now to become all that God intends for us to become. You see the two sides of freedom? Many people have been set free from the bondage and think, whoo, I'm going to go to heaven someday. Oh, this is it. No, but they're still living as though they were in bondage. God wants you through His Spirit to live and become the person you were meant to be. See the two sides of freedom. And He is offering His freedom to us today. Anyone who called upon him. The way to sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Sometimes 
maybe you've seen this picture, this picture I, I've seen before of a huge, massive elephant. And he's got a chain around one foot and a peg in the ground, and he won't move. I'm thinking, does that elephant only know that if he lifted that leg, that peg's coming out? I mean, he could do that. Well, what happened is, because he lifts tons with his trunk, I'm thinking, man. But what happened is, is as a little uh, elephant, he was chained when he couldn't pick it up. And so he thought when he got older, it still held him in bondage. What we have done is been thinking, okay, Jesus, through the cross, I've been offered forgiveness, but I'm still, oh, if God only knew my, my thought life, if God only knew what I did last night, if God only knew my attitude at certain times. Do you think he doesn't know? But we are still living in bondage. And what the Lord is wanting us to do today when we come to the table is realize, yes, I have paid the price for you to not live in bondage to sin. But I've also paid the price so that you can live in purity and holiness and follow after me. You see the difference? There's two sides to freedom. I would say most Christians have understood freedom number one but aren't completely walking in freedom number two of full And today, I just want to challenge you. What I want to do is I want to ask the worship team to come on back up here because we're going to sing one song before we participate in the table. Because here's the deal. I want you to have the opportunity just to deal with God one-on-one. Now, some of you may be here today and think, Mark, I'm not a Christian. I'm, I'm just trying to take this stuff in. I'm really not understanding it yet. We would love to walk with you through that. But let me tell you this. He is but a prayer way. He would just call upon you. And I want to lead you in a prayer. And I just want you to, to bow and somehow, just in your moment of silence, just put a cylinder around yourself. And it's not about anybody else but you and God. And if you do not know Him, your prayer would be something like this. Jesus, I understand that I am lost without you. And that you went to the cross just for me. And you said anyone that would call upon you will be saved. And right now I just call upon you. I ask you to forgive me. I want to follow you. Just like these pictures of these baptisms, the people that want to follow you, I want to follow you. I don't know all about it. Lord Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you to forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me dead. Thank you. Now some of you in this room have prayed a prayer similar to that, but you're still walking in bondage instead of freedom. Maybe today you just need to pray a prayer of Lord, I do know you. If I were to die, I would spend eternity with you, but I'm not experiencing all the freedom you desire. I'm still making wrong choices. I'm still living in some lifestyle issues that I just haven't been willing to give up because I think I'm doing it on my own. Lord, I need you. I need your Holy Spirit to give me freedom so I can walk down. Just let the Lord know where you're at. He knows already. Just 
Lord, I pray that as we sing this song right now, that it will be a song of just declaring you as King and how we follow after you.